The content in this podcast is meant for mature audiences only, 18 and up, as some of it may be difficult to hear. Continuing to listen to this content releases Rest, Virginia Dixon, and Dr. Sherry Keffer from All Liability. Welcome, everyone, to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and REST, Virginia Dixon. Hi, Virginia. Hi, Natalie. (laughs) How are you? Good. Good. Happy to be back. As am I. And also, Dr. Sherry Keffer is back to continue our conversation and expound on intimate deception. Welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back with you all. I love it. I want to pick up right where we left off because we have so much to cover in this segment. We're going to focus on your book, but you said something during the break that was really captivating. And you said you went to that four-day retreat when you were trying to reconcile the confusion and the chaos of what was emerging in the relationship and in the marriage and whatnot. And somebody came up to you and said something. Yeah, so the woman who was directing that four-day workshop, just from having spent time with me, she looked at me and said, the thing that you don't have is rest. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it, I didn't say, what do you mean to her? Because I was all of a sudden kind of, you know, <laughs> felt like I was on the hot seat. But I was thinking, rest? Well, I sleep. I get up in the morning, you know, maybe get six or seven hours of sleep. But what she was talking about is a soul rest. And mm. and she was right. And, and that was kind of like a burr under my saddle. Uh, I wasn't sure what to do with it that day. And that's why I love what you're doing, Virginia, to talk about rest, because I think it's one of those concepts that we don't understand. But at the heart of it, I believe why I didn't have rest is because I was harboring shame. Mm. Like, I want to say no fault of my own, because Again, a lot of things happened to me, right? I had shame from my family of origin. I had shame from my marriage, but I I didn't want to, nor did I know how to let it out. I, I mean, shame is one of those things you, you don't want to bring it out. You don't want to bring your worst self, right? Mm-hmm. We're all so programmed to bring our best self or even a false self forward. But that lack of being transparent, that lack of being authentic, harboring shame over things that I was so afraid to say because I was fearing rejection, mm-hmm. kept me in dis-ease. And, and so can you just talk to, to us about rest? Because your concept of rest is profound. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fun that you brought that up. I'm happy you brought that up. Because the intensity of these conversations sometimes can cause us to be overwhelmed. And I want people to think about rest as something, an adventure, 
something they <laughs> desire. And this yeah. woman just saw that you were stuck. Yeah. And we defined that. We help people understand that stuckness because it wasn't just you, Sherry, right? It's all of us. Mm-hmm. Natalie's walked in the door and I thought, I've thought, mm, she's in a state of dis-ease. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. <laughs> you're you're easy to read, girl. Yes, right. Right. I can look, right. I can open I wear it on my face. Right. I can't help it. But immediately I know that there is a conflict in the conversation of the spirit, her soul, mind, heart, will, conscience, and feelings, and what her body's carrying. So when I see somebody in a state of dis-ease, right, I know that there's a conflict within themselves. They're struggling with reconciling these three narratives I often talk about that go on in our lives. This being the narrative of design, right, in the spiritual realm, and something intuitively in our soul knows I was meant for more than this, Mm, which is our mind, our heart, our will, our conscience, right? And the mind and the heart have this beautiful embryonic kind of relationship, but thoughts feed our mind and our soul. And we're not going to get deep into that. But there's still this center cavity in our soul that negotiates a lot of what we access in the spiritual realm. Good, bad, true, false, you know, God, Satan, angels, demons, good energy, bad energy, however you want to describe that resource, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the will of a man that draws from those things to what? to process life and information. And according to how we negotiate that energy, if you will, it goes up our brain stems, you know, Sherry, into the executive function of our brain, our temporals. And, and then all that energy manifests and runs our body. Hmm. So it's kind of like this processing center. So when you said that to me, this attendant or the the director said you are not in a state of rest that word to me deals with philosophy and theology and how that soul works through the brain and manifests in the body the philosophy and the theology of psychoneuroimmunology so that's the context of rest it's so much bigger than just what we think it is right yeah and so when she noticed that about you, she noticed there's a conflict. Yeah. There's things you're trying to negotiate. So at rest, we help people kind of break all that down and understand that. Did that make sense? It does. And let me ask you one question. What's the difference between rest and peace? Mm, I think there is no peace without rest. And there's no freedom without peace. So freedom, peace, and rest. Rest is reconciling all these conflicts and these narratives we have to negotiate in life, the spirit, the soul, the body, all those conversations. As we reconcile those things, we step into this place of peace. And the fruit of that peace is freedom. Because when we reconcile these issues, these three conversations between our spirit, our soul, and our body, right, that requires that we self-govern. And this is where we negotiate liberty. This is where we exercise the liberty about those transactions. And the consequence of that liberty secures our freedom, which is external. We often use freedom and liberty as if they're synonyms. They are not. So she noticed you were in bondage. Bondage? Yeah. Enslaved by lies that are in this relationship that you don't quite understand. But the, the root cause of that enslavement is bondage, trying to discern 
what's true and what's not, what real, what's real and what isn't. So in rest, we often talk about internal cause, root cause, external consequence. So there's a lot of words we use as synonyms, but they're not. They're very different. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I, I was just reflecting as I was listening to you on the ancient Hebrew word for peace. Mm-hmm. We all hear it as shalom. But back in the day, Hebrew was written much like hieroglyphics, more like Egyptian or Chinese. It was pictures and symbols. Mm-hmm. And I love that the ancient Hebrew word for peace means to establish authority over chaos. There you go. That's the word that's picture. It. I love that. Isn't that's it, it powerful? And that's at the root of rest. Yeah. yeah. Is to establish authority, authority over, over chaos. chaos. Which is exactly what I say. If you don't establish that authority, self-govern, you can't have peace. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, it's not my concept. Establish it's God's. Authority <laughs> authority. Yeah. I just, you know, I just, you just roll back and, and, and I love the word pictures because it's, it was, it took me deeper than just hearing the word peace. A lot mm-hmm. of us hear the word peace or the word rest, but when you really break it down, like I would have loved to have that person on that weekend say, and here's how you can find it. That's right. But you know, no fault of her own. It was a disruptor. It mm-hmm. was the burr under my saddle that I needed to walk away and go, what is going on with me <laughs> that somebody can actually see that I'm not at rest? And I hadn't been at rest for a long time. Yeah. You know, not to go too crazy on this point. Oh, Natalie, please go crazy. But this is go crazy. <laughs> please go crazy. Uh, I want to say that was really thought provocative, the mm-hmm. whole definition and the root of the word peace, because... Perhaps the most significant human that stepped into time, who said he wasn't just human, but he was on a mission from God, right? Mm -hmm. Fulfilled 4,000 years of world history. But what did he say? The greatest gift was an invitation and the promise that this peace is accessible here in time and on earth as we reconcile the conflict we have within ourselves. But he said, come to me if you're burdened and heavy laden, if you're overwhelmed with conflict and confusion and chaos and dis- in your life, right? Yeah. And I will give you peace for your soul, right? Yeah. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he says, come learn from me. So the aim of so much of what we do with rest is to help people step into this peace, into this rest, and help them understand they can only be achieved through peace, which is taking authority mm-hmm. over chaos, over chaos. The chaos within yourself, within myself, because within myself, and then within my sphere, the context of my sphere, right? right? So in in my case, when somebody is sexually acting out, right, that automatically brings chaos into my sphere. That's right. Now the very fact that that's happening. It, it assaults my mind and the way trauma works. And I don't fully, I do understand this on a basic level, but you know, the way our mind works, our brain works is when there is a bad thing that happens, when there's a heart hurts, when there is a trauma or mm-hmm. a wound, right? We don't have wounds where there's no bruises on the outside of our body. The wounds happen in our hearts and our minds and the brain wires in a negative belief about ourselves, that's Not right. the other person. 
And it mm-hmm. wires it in about ourselves. So the brain can control your what you're doing to keep you safe. Ultimately, it wants to keep you alive. The brain is the most selfish organ in the body. So mm-hmm. if I have somebody who's betrayed me, then I'm, my, some of my beliefs are, I'm not enough. I can't trust anyone. That's right. I'm not in control. I'm powerless. So if you believe you're powerless, you're not in control, you can't trust anyone, and you're not enough, do you think you're going to get up? and go out the door that day and live life fully. No, it makes you pull away. It makes you sequester away and disassociate. And because of the shame, you, you, you hide out. You don't get the help you need. You don't talk about your story and it pulls you further away. Is it accomplishing what the brain wants? Yes, because you're not going to get hurt if you're sequestered away and not really talking to anyone, but it sets up a whole other layer of not establishing authority over chaos. Mm-hmm. Chaos starts just breeding in our own hearts and our minds. And then when we're not looking at what's going on in our sphere of influence, then that denial, the avoidance, not looking at it, allows that person or not, it doesn't make them, it just makes opportunity for mm-hmm. them to continue to act out. That's right. Because they're not facing what they need to face. It's we're flattened. We don't know how to face it. And so that avoidance and denial is like a hotbed for, for everybody sexual involved. acting out. Everybody. Everybody, everybody involved. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm excited about what you're saying because one of the, I, I marked up this book all over the place and I put all kinds of stickies on it, but the symptoms that emerge when there is intimate deception on my sticky notes, I put, I'm not crazy. Because this, the subtleties of the deception, and we've talked about this in even depth. in your situation, oh, in yes. depth. but the subtleties of the de- deception can make you feel like you're crazy mm-hmm. or like there's two people there and a paralysis kind of sets in. Oh yeah. The shame, the doubt, right? The guilt. Big time. And you have a questionnaire here on page 32 and it goes right into questions for understanding symptoms associated with sexual betrayal and intimate deception. I thought this was fascinating because it can ground somebody and bring them a sense. How about this? A pathway, a window into a place of rest and peace. Yeah. Because it starts helping you make sense of things that are just scattered. Yeah. Can you talk about that for a yeah, little bit? Yeah, the reason I put that assessment in in my book is one, I mean, I wanted to flag, I wanted to help us flag if I am dealing with some symptoms of post-traumatic stress from the betrayal trauma. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times we think of post-traumatic stress is like something that those who serve in the military have when they come back mm-hmm. or Correct. people that were either at 9-11 or watching 9-11 or like a horrific car accident. We know those people have post-traumatic stress, but most people don't know. And that's what my research showed is out of 100 women, 79% of the women had symptoms of post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. from the sexual acting out. Isn't that something? Isn't it? uh, And so what, what it's important for us, we can't really help what we don't know. Yeah. And if you look at post-traumatic stress in the DSM, you know, Mm -hmm. when they're looking at it, basically there's a few different things they're looking at, but the main whole issue around that is, did you feel threatened 
Was your life threatened or did you feel it was being threatened in some way, some kind of wound? And they've even added, which I think is amazing, in the last couple of years, few years, they've added or a sexual violation. Mm. Do you it's know about that time? Yeah. Yeah. I looked it up when I was writing my book and I thought, oh, are you kidding me? That is a huge ad. And when I asked a hundred women about sexual violation, if they felt felt sexually violated, do you know how many of them said yes? It was the only question I asked that I got a hundred percent on. A hundred percent of the women said yes, mm-hmm. I feel sexually violated. Wow. Through the pornography, through the cybersex, through the mm-hmm. affairs, whatever it was, it didn't matter. They all had everything in there. And I'd like to add something that we don't think about it in these terms, but in the ter- in terms of rest, I do, that when there is this kind of intimate deception and there is PTSD, we don't realize that our conscience and everything that is sacred about intimacy, about all of us, the man and the woman and our common humanity is raped. Yeah. It is a rape. It is a desecration of everything that is sacred. Before we can actually sink our teeth into the narratives, this is happening in this unseen quantum field of energy. It's this has really been disrupted. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, you kind of just walked into a, a pocket. There's a lot of debate over. When I think about as a trauma therapist, I do EMDR, I do some other things, you know, somatic work with people that have had all kinds of traumas. I have a portion of my practice who have come to me Mm -hmm. because they have had rape. There's all kinds of rape. Mm -hmm. And my experience is is those people have very different roads Mm -hmm. to heal through. I just allow people to put their words on what they need to call it. But I think there's many layers of sexual violation. Yeah, and I'm violation. sorry to go down a black hole, but I think in my world, I recognize that's what's desecrated was systematic. It was prolonged. Yeah. It was rationalized. Yeah. And, and they didn't know about it. it was such a profound violation, yeah. and they it's didn't know about it. huge. And I'm having would, sex with somebody who's being sexual with somebody yes. else. I mean, and there's bringing, no consent to that. And bringing that. that the consequence of all those experiences into their bedroom yeah. and into their home yeah. and into the life of their children, I might add. Yeah. Yes. And the damage that comes from that, I see Huge. it in the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease. Yeah. So I meant it more in the context of the spiritual, emotional, and physical desecration that happens. And we don't think of intimate deception and betrayal and pornography as having that kind of consequence. Yeah in the conscience, the primary sphere of government, and in this spiritual realm into a home. Mm -hmm. For example, Sherry, I know for an absolute fact that you walked into the presence of Connor sometimes and something was not right. Oh, that definitely. I mean, there were times I walked into the presence of Connor and he had been with a prostitute. Yeah. Now, did I know that? No, because I'm not God. You can. Well, and sometimes you can't. Exactly. Well, there's no trust. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There's and, no trusting. And to your point, it requires that that person who is ever acting out moves into steps towards mm-hmm. getting treatment. It, you know, a lot of times, and, and this happened with Connor too, you know, the, he was 
going to enter any, he went to an SA group, which is a 12 step program, all men. Mm -hmm. And he went there and he said, you know, my, my stuff's not that bad. And so he didn't continue going. Right. And if somebody is in a place where they are minimalistically fighting this battle that has really taken a hold of them and you're okay, Mm -hmm. you know, on the sidelines with, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. Pretty soon that story just becomes so disruptive. I remember Connor coming in and he had just been with a prostitute and he'd spent $200. I'm like, what is this for? Yeah. And he said, well, I, I was with a woman. And I'm like, what do you mean you're with a woman? He's like, it was a prostitute. And I said to him, when did you stop thinking about me? Yeah. When did you, where did I go? Yeah. From the time you went to the ATM until you met with that prostitute, where did I go? Right. Mm -hmm. What did he say? He didn't have an answer. He Mm -hmm. didn't have an answer because I can see him crying, sitting on a milk can, you know, we had an old milk can in, in our back bedroom and he was, he was there weeping. But as he was there weeping, you know what I was feeling? cold. Yeah. I had heard this so many times mm-hmm. that my heart had grown cold. I came to a point where I was like, I don't like who I am. Yeah. But that's where becoming, that's where, and we're, we don't have time to get into today. I really want to get through the book. I know. <laughs> I want to, but that's where I think dealing with the spiritual realm of some of these deep, profound, dark conflicts and yeah. the manifestation they have on our bodies becomes important because you and I know that the brain will dissociate because PTSD isn't just for the person who, I mean, he was traumatized by as what well. he was doing as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you bore the consequence of that as well. No question about it. But there's this layer of complexity to all of this. Yeah, because he knew what he was doing. He wasn't dissociated. He was aware, aware of what he was that doing. That he had to go get two hundred dollars. Like mm-hmm. he was aware that he was making the phone call. Like but the he, shock of it all after for him to just say, "And I keep doing it." The devastation, like the devastation, yeah. and the ensnarement. Yeah, uh, and I don't want to talk the entanglement. Yeah. I want to talk about that, but I think that's such a huge so topic. Big. So big. they lose heart. They lose heart. And it can cross over beyond just intimate deception into so many other narratives. I think the flip side of what women feel, and and sometimes men too, by the way, women cheat as well, right? Yeah. On the other side of deception, and I know you specialize with women, but is the brokenness of the men in our lives too, Mm -hmm. and their desire often to be free. Mm -hmm. But the resources, I think honestly are limited still because we're talking here about the voice of a generation. We're not talking about a rare occurrence that's been with us by the way, since the beginning of time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But certainly we're seeing it in feverish rates. It's an epidemic. It's a wildfire because it's impacting our children. Yeah. And you know, you, you talk about the energy. I mean, there's, there's, there's light and darkness. That's right. And you know, the, the God of this world who has often called Abaddon the God of the bottomless pit, the liar, oh. deceiver. Like you think about all these names, Satan, right? There is so much deception. It's like instead of being under the influence of alcohol, in this case, I think there is a level, right. a spiritual level, where we're the under the influence of 
a, a realm, a spiritual realm that we darkness. don't understand. Yeah. yeah. That mm-hmm. gets attached to this whole process. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we're drinking those that are acting out are self-deceiving. They're, they're saying, well, it's not going to hurt anyone. It isn't hurting anyone. I can't tell my wife about that because it would hurt her. So mm-hmm. I need to be valiant and keep yep. it from her. Or exactly. uh, there's all kinds of, of self-deceptions mm-hmm. that, again, go back to your concept, Virginia, of destroying the government of, mm-hmm. of self. Mm-hmm. You know, self-deception mm-hmm. keeps us out of self-government in a in a positive way, in That's a, right, a way because where we're walking light. in the light. I can't wait to talk to you about this. I want to go back to the book, The Dirty Dozen. Yes. Talk about The Dirty Dozen. So The Dirty Dozen. It's are, about the aftershock, right? Yes. Dealing with the aftershock. It's the layers of impact. So it's the discovery trauma. This discovery trauma is what you find, what you know about. Like the $200 that I saw on the American Express and finding out that was a prostitute. That's a discovery trauma. Yeah. There's deception trauma. That is all around the lies. Mm-hmm. There's traumas within our family of origin. There's mm-hmm childhood. A lot of kids, I've had kiddos, precious little seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-olds pick up their daddy's iPad and Mm -hmm. unknowingly walk into either opening up a porn hub that they have or even a live feed. So that's the childhood trauma. There's Mm -hmm. community trauma. Think Mm -hmm. about how we feel so embarrassed to share with our family, with our friends, with our churches, and Mm -hmm. people judge us. Well, can't you just forgive him when yeah. they have no idea mm-hmm. how much violation has gone on to our personal health? You talk mm-hmm. a lot about that, Virginia, mm-hmm. um, how our body is impacted. There's That's right. there's trauma to that. So the dirty dozen is mm-hmm. basically 12 layers of impact. And uh, as you go through and read it, you're able to see it makes sense of some of the things that maybe have been spinning and you haven't really been able to put your finger on. Mm-hmm. It's at, the end, at the end of the day, we look at heroin addicts like... Like there are, I mean, this is overstated perhaps, but like they're the scum of the earth or whatever. They're low lifes mm-hmm. or trash or whatever, just addicts on the side of the road. But porn addiction is no different. Every form of addiction really leaves our soul in the same condition. Yes. So I think decimated. we need to start decimated. And I think we need to have that honest conversation just because it's hidden, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean... We don't look exactly like that mm-hmm. on the inside. Early trauma, where did this stuff all began? You touched on that in the last segment yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And Do you have anything you want to say about yeah, that? Yeah, let me just segue. So I had a chance to talk about my family of origin issues just briefly, but oftentimes the one who's sexually acting out, now that I've worked with men and women that are addicted to porn or they're sexually acting out, they've got multiple affairs, uh, more often than not, when you start hearing their story about growing up, many of them have uh, histories of abuse. That's right. It could be emotional abuse. It could Mm -hmm. be physical abuse could be sexual abuse, mm-hmm. um, where they were really hurt. And they found that by early on looking at pornography, they could kind of go to never, never land for a moment, comfort. numb out its comfort. It becomes uh, comfort. And that comfort develops, like you said, Natalie, in the last show, it, it can develop in a brain way into an addiction, 
but then it also becomes their go-to. Yeah. But when you, it's important in the treatment, when you're working with somebody who has sexual patterns of sexual acting out, sometimes I will see what's called an arousal template, Mm -hmm. like they're recreating through their sexual acting out something that happened in their family of origin that they've not dealt with. They've not got healing for, they've not even wanted to go in and touch that because, you know, it would hurt too much, or maybe even some of them have dissociated it out. That's right. But their their life is living this story, and it's not to make excuses for Mm -hmm. any of their choices that they're making, right? It's not. But in in the long-term healing, if they don't go in and do that deeper work to heal that wound, right? Trauma Mm -hmm. means a wound, to wound there's those emotions and feelings that come up and then they want to numb out and then they act out and then they feel remorse and then they say, I can do better again. That's the cycle of sexual acting out, which I talk about that in my book. It's just this crazy cycle they get. What's the most effective way of helping people break that cycle besides disclosure? I think that has to be yeah up there. But You know what? The, the Probably the two main things that people that deal with this, which they're certified sex addiction therapists Mm -hmm. or CSATs who've been trained like Navy SEALs in order Mm -hmm. to deal with the sexual acting out. It's like you're trying to stop the sexual acting out first. It's like a tourniquet. You want to stop the bleed. And so that's when like the 12 step essay groups and a level of accountability guys beginning to build a safe place with other Mm -hmm. men where they actually start bringing their heart. A lot of them don't have friends. They haven't grown up feeling connected to anyone. Mm -hmm. They feel alone Mm -hmm. and they're silos. So getting them into a group where there can be other men fighting with them and for them is Mm -hmm. huge. And then getting in with the right therapist. A lot of times folks start, and there's a lot of amazing therapists in this world, but a lot of times they start with somebody who hasn't had Navy SEAL special training in this Mm -hmm. area, Mm -hmm. and you can spin your wheels for years. I love our therapist who we went to. Mm -hmm. I will always respect her for the work. It was a stepping stone, right? But she wasn't trained in this. So we had four years of wandering, and the sexual acting out Mm -hmm. went deeper because they weren't applying the tools Mm -hmm. like a therapeutic full disclosure and sometimes Mm -hmm. with a polygraph. Like that's a way that sometimes the truth has to come out. Mm -hmm. There's a ton that needs to be done. And if you don't go there, Mm -hmm. it it just is like a wound that just keeps oozing for years. So, and, and, but then going in and doing the underlying trauma work to quiet down that wound, Mm -hmm. that, that chaos Mm -hmm. that they're trying to numb out because they don't want to feel that pain of the past. Most of the time, do you find that men that are doing the betraying, do you find that they are wanting to save the marriage, the relationship, or they're too disconnected from it? There are two types. There, there are two types of men. I think there are men who know that there's a problem and they want to deal with it. I think there are men that know that there's a problem and they want to save their marriage because they really Mm -hmm. don't want to lose that. They don't want Mm -hmm. to lose their marriage, don't want to lose their kids, don't want Mm -hmm. to lose the home and all Mm -hmm. of that. And then I think there are men that sexually act out that don't want to lose. No, they have no Mm -hmm. intention. They want to keep their world intact Mm 
mm-hmm. keep their home, keep their kids, keep their reputation, mm-hmm. and they want to continue to sexually mm-hmm. act out at the same time. And that really is an integrity disordered world mm-hmm. because they're lying, they're hiding, they're gaslighting. All those things are a part of sexual deception. Mm-hmm. But when you make it, it's basically sexual entitlement. Mm-hmm. It says, I know this is something I'm doing, but I feel entitled to do it, and I have no plan on changing. Okay. Yeah, that's not I everybody, but there's layers. Did you hear all, all of the different layers? Totally, yeah. There's a lot of guys layers. that want to heal, and they, I, I talk about the Paul to Saul, I saw the Paul experience. I, I know right now, I can see their faces. Couples that we've worked with that have come out the other side and they are different people. The whole relationship is different. Right. It feels different. They're they're talking about things that they've never talked about. They, they it's transformational. They're major transformation. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. deeper than they've ever been after going through the, the furnace of all this. Okay. I want to continue this conversation because I want to finish this book. Sure. Perfect. Little cliffhanger here. Yes. Well, so you exactly. want to watch the yeah, next We're going to get to the mechanics versus the medics. So you can be thinking about yeah. that. Yeah course. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. If you'd like more information about Dr. Keffer or to get in touch, please visit her website, braveone.com or her Instagram at Dr. Sherry Keffer. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.